talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, and a big thank you to my two co-hosts, Edmund Arnold and Colin Codega, for also joining me. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, Pat. How are you? You've been dead for a while. <laughs> so I got my wisdom teeth out, in case anyone doesn't know, and things went poorly, so I have been unable to record for the last couple weeks. But I'm back. You died, right? That's what I heard. Yes. Uh, I went I to the astral plane. that you died. No, I literally died, and I was hanging out with uh, William Shakespeare and with uh, the guy who created Peanut Butter. Hey, it's okay. You got your Jon Snow on, though. We brought you back, and uh, yeah, it's time to, uh, to talk about video games. Oh, is that what we're doing today? Yeah, I mean, I guess when someone's brought back to life, you talk about video games. That's kind of how it goes. I guess we can try talking about video games. Seems kind of weird for us to do, but... We've never done it before. <laughs> There's a first time for everything. Yeah. Uncharted territory. Uh, I wish we had games to talk about, like if I had possibly gone and played like a really cool game that's coming up, but... Oh, wait, I did do that. I did exactly that. I played God of War. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh. Oh. Never heard of this one. Explain it to me. The small little indie title. I was part of a group of people who were invited to Santa Monica Studios down here in Los Angeles. It wasn't that small of a group. There was a lot of people. But we got to get our hands on... Basically, this was insane how much of the game they showed off. It was about the first three hours of the game. Literally from the first load screen until the end of the three-hour demo. Which just stops, by the way. Also, funny little detail, which I learned, is that they couldn't just cut off the game, so they worked in a bug into the game, and you literally crashed the game. That's how the demo ended. Interesting. Interesting. I have a question, because I saw everyone write about I don't know how the video game reporting world works, and everyone was writing about this on Monday, so none of you actually got your hands on it. You just watched the demo, right? No. Is, so, that, is that how that goes? No. We all had an individual... It was pretty amazing, actually. So you have your own couch and your own like 50-inch 4K screen... And we got to play the first three hours. Uh, every single person got to do that. It was on embargo, so that's why you had to wait until Monday to say what your impressions were. Oh, okay. So I thought it was all you guys all filed in one line on Monday. It broke you up. And just watched. Groups, and then you all just, like, watched. No, we got to do hands-on. And you'll be very proud of me. I was one of the first to finish. I was very proud of myself. I literally thought I would be the last one to walk out of there because I suck. Well, what's it? As someone who's played the previous God of Wars, what's, what's the big difference between this one besides the behind-the-back camera? Everything is different in this game. Everything is different in this game. The only things that are similar to the old games is Kratos' name and a couple, like, shout-outs to the first game. Amazing shout-outs, by the way. Like, super fun little things in the first, like, couple minutes that shout-out the old game. Or the way that Kratos opens chests. I don't know how big of fans of God of War you guys are. I know Eddie isn't one. But there are cool little nods back to the series, which were awesome. Other than that, it's completely different. It's also completely different than pretty much every game I've ever played. Mostly in the sense that it's not just behind the back camera, but this game is like a single take movie. It never has a load screen. It never stops. It is seamless from cutscene to plane to cutscene. And it just goes for three hours I was playing this. It never stopped one time. I think that's a super impressive thing. And I'm almost going to have to change the way I play video games because I usually have my cell phone out. I check Twitter wall loads and... uh, yeah, I heard you can technically sit down on a couch and play the game from start to finish, and you'll never see a load screen, and you can do it in one sitting seamlessly, and that's that's impressive. You'd have to wear a diaper, but yeah, you can do that. Or a catheter, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we got technology to make it happen. Is it a 20-hour movie? Is that how this is set up? 
Yeah, but the gameplay is tight, too, and the gameplay is much different than old God of Wars. Oh, God of Wars were really, they're button-mashing games. They were really well-made button-mashing games, but that's what they were. And that was part of the game. I mean, it literally, it would flash buttons on the screen to perform finishing moves. This game is not like that at all. And they really play with the 3D of it. Because you have such a tight camera angle, you have to be really cognizant of things that are happening behind you that you can't see. So the game gives you an option to f quickly flip the camera back around to enemies that are coming at you from the side. But it's, it's hard, and it, it is one of those games where you get better as you're playing it, but there's a lot of new stuff to learn in this, and it is a very, very visceral uh, combat system. It's, it's difficult, it's fast-moving, there's a lot of things happening at once, but it works. It doesn't get jumbled. Now, are you always worried, like, with the, the camera and kind of having to worry about you know, the peripherals and not catching all the enemies that may be behind you, were you feeling kind of like a sense of anxiety while playing it? Uh, did you feel like you were always in control, or did it, did it take you a little time to pick up? Well, for starters, I'm not super good at any video games, so <laughs> I was a little bit not <laughs> sense of control. What they do do in this game is they give you a reticle that pops up, and you kind of earn this, like, as you're going. It doesn't immediately start. Or if it did, you're not as aware of it because you're not used to it. The little reticles will pop up to let you know that an enemy is approaching and about to strike you from behind. You also have your companion, Atreus, and you actually have to listen to him. He's not like regular companions or like Navi and Orcarina of Time who just annoys you. He's useful, and he tells you what's happening. So he'll tell you like, oh, a Draugr is about to hit you right behind you, and he'll say it like that so you know what's going to happen. He's not vague about it. He lets you know exactly what's going on. So you quick, you hit that turnaround button, and you're able to block the blow right before it hits. So you are kind of working with the NPC in this game in a way that I've never seen in another game. Not only was Atreus not annoying throughout the game, I actually actively wanted to help him more than myself. So they sell, they sell that father-son relationship very well. Is Immediately in the game they do. How seamless did it cut between the cutscenes and the action? It is, uh, it is. I've never seen anything like this before. I feel like it's going to sound like I'm just kissing their ass, and I'm not. I'm trying to be pragmatic and be realistic. But this game was like nothing I'd ever seen. It is beyond seamless. You can't even tell. There were certain times I wasn't even sure if I could move yet because of how well it was made. There's also other times where I was continuing to press forward, and I realized that, like, oh, for the last four minutes I've been watching a cutscene. It's unreal. The renderings in this game, the visuals are so good, and they never... I mean, I was playing on 4K TV with a PS4 Pro, so it's a little bit different, maybe, than what you might get. But even that said, with the level of graphical power that they're showing off here, never lagged, never had any frame rate issues, and it is beautiful from the get-go. Kratos, just look up Kratos' nipples online and the rendering that they did on this dude's nipples and his beard. It's unbelievable. Do you imagine, like, they probably have such a large team working on this. It was probably someone's sole responsibility for, like, a week, if not months, to render the nipples. There was a nipple department, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, you, I'm in Council of Receivables. Where are you? Oh, I'm nipple department. <laughs> I'm on Team Nips. So, is it open world? Is it not an open world game? Is it no. straight, like, uncharted... Scene by scene, is it broken up into like movie scenes? Sort of, yeah. I, I, I just mean, don't like, know how this game is going. Right, and I understand right where, your, where your questions are coming from. Um, it is broken up by individual cutscenes as you're going through, and it's sort of like Uncharted in that way. You're you're kind of on a track, you know. You get to branch out a little bit. It's not just a one hallway that you're walking down, but it's not an open world game. At least not okay. in the parts that they showed off to us. It'd be weird if it opened up into an open world game after three hours, but it might, I guess. But it that makes doesn't, me fascinated. It works. And what I like about it is is that uh, we, uh, we had talked about this on past podcasts. I'm kind of, I'm not sick of open worlds by any mean, 
but it's nice to play a game that is supposed to be a cinematic experience and supposed to be about the story and going through it, as opposed to like, we're dropping you in this massive world, have fun just spending 300 hours in it. This was nice to like let the game not hold your hand, but sort of show you where to go so I can focus on things that were more important than just exploration. Yeah, and that's where PlayStation 4 and Sony really excels, right? I mean, I hate to be a stan right now, but that they're driven off of their narrative games. That's where we got Horizon last year, which was basically a narrative game. It was open world, but it was pretty much like a straight-by-the-books narrative experience. You got your Uncharted's. You have a lot of Naughty Dog's projects or straight narratives so I, you don't really see that in xbox and i think this is exciting for me to see another exclusive by playstation kind of excel and kind of push boundaries in another way that we've never seen before so i'm excited for god of war i don't know if i'll like it but i'm excited to see it i now, think um, you will yeah i don't know yeah no pat i got a question now when it comes to actual like kratos how is he changed? Has he changed as a character? Has he evolved at all? Is he kind of that same? Because kind of my perception of Kratos from the original three is just that Kratos smash. Like you know, he had everything yeah. taken from him. He's angry. He's on his on revenge, and he's ripping people open. Is that the same, or does that change at all? Totally different. Uh, it's funny because I feel like sometimes they do this with characters, and it's like, oh, this is stupid. You know, like you're just rushing character development, or whatever it is. It's not. That I didn't like the original Kratos because I actually really, really like Kratos because he's just so fun. He's such a crazy person. He just loves killing things. Kratos is fun. Is a sentence I've never heard in my life. He's so fun. He's just the most pissed off character of all time. He is the most badass video game character ever. He's just great at parties. He's great at parties. You want this guy to show up and have a couple daiquiris and (laughs) rip out your intestines and shove them down your throat. This one, he's way more mature, and I don't just mean that in the sense that, like, he's a dad and he's older and stuff, but, like, the whole game is more mature. It's not really about the violence anymore. In fact, the violence is really, really tough down in this game, at least in the demos that we saw, which, I don't know, it might turn some fans off, but again, I feel like it works for the story and the the subject matter. Kratos isn't, like, reveling and murdering things in this like he did in the past, and the moments he has with his son are really, really nice, and they're not heavy-handed. He's still a bit of an asshole, because Kratos is a bit of an asshole, but he's much less of an asshole, and he's a lot more patient. And that's something that the character, that you would never expect a character like this to do. And it's sort of just a game made for grown-ups. Not because of the gore, but because of the subject matter and the way that they present it in the game. Yes, I feel like the tone, it kind of matches up his character overall with just the tone of the game. Because I feel like God of War, back when those games were coming out, like, I was, you know, at a high school age, it's easy to, like, have friends come over and be like, oh, check this out, like, I'm going to rip this bad guy in half. And it's kind of like... It was kind of a more of a monster energy, like, we're going to scream and yell while we play this game, and this seems more like it's going to be a lot more complex and uh, a lot more moving. Like, there's some people I know that I was reading impressions, and they're like, I feel like I'm going to cry playing this game, because you can tell it's going to be really heavy. Man, the, the opening seconds are super emotional of this game. I don't want to give things away, because um, I don't want to get spoiler-heavy about a game that hasn't even come out yet, but... There are some pretty heavy moments right from the get-go, and it's just like, this game, it takes no time at all to get you into the story, and it's it's heavy. I don't know, man. It's God of War, though, right? So... It's not God of War, though. It is and it isn't. It's interesting to see that there's a story around it now, <laughs> because the old story was just like, I'm avenging my dead family, and I'm going to kill everything. 
So, I, and I don't know anything about God of War because I've gone into it because I don't really care about the series, but everything that I've heard from people, from you guys particularly, has me interested. So sell it to me. Sell it to someone who's... I don't hate the God of War series, but it's not anything I've particularly cared about. Sell it to me on something. I don't even know. Because I'm still, like, on the fence about it. You know what I mean? It's just... You're, you're describing The Last of Us. Okay. So then let me put it this way, then. Did you like The Last of Us? I love The Last of Us. Okay, then you will like this game, A, in the way that it's presented as a story, B, because of the story and how it pivots on the relationship between the two characters in a real way, not in a gimmicky, cheap way. And then three, I would say, I know that you like RPG elements a lot. Uh, I'm not sure how much you're into action, because this game obviously is an action game, but there are way more RPG elements in this game than there have ever been in God of War games before. You get to upgrade his armor, you get to craft things, you collect things and bring them to a smith, just like in Monster Hunter World. It doesn't have that same loop, because you're obviously going forward. And again, maybe I'm wrong, because I only played for three hours, so who knows. But I really doubt there's a loop in this game. It's not that type of game. But there is crafting elements, there's collectible elements, there's discovering the world that you're in, because just like... You, the gamer, Kratos is also in a new world because he's not in Greece anymore. He's now in Midgar, and it's all Norse mythology. It's also a cool way to learn about Norse mythology and learn about the different gods. Uh, Cory Barlog told me they're not just doing... He's the director of the game. They're not just doing uh, Odin and Thor. There's also going to be a whole bunch of Norse gods that the general public outside of Norway and Sweden probably do not know about. Now, when it comes to the actual, like... Uh equipment, crafting, things like that, is it purely a cosmetic where it just, you know, it makes your character, uh, Kratos, look different, or do you get, like, bonuses to different attacks? Like, how does that kind of play out? Colin, did you know who I said about Kratos' nipples and how beautiful they are? Do you think they would make me cover those nipples up if they uh -huh. didn't give me some type of benefit? That's true, because that would be a travesty. Yeah. I would go shirtless all the time if that was the case. If I looked like Kratos, I'd be naked 24 hours a day. The thing is, is that when you craft things, they actually, just like any game that should have a crafting element, never just make it cosmetic. And there is. You get different benefits, and you have to weigh what you want to wear. We didn't get that far into the game, so I would imagine that as you go, the different things you're using are going to be reflected in different boss fights. Because just in the little bit that I played, you have to do so many different types of tactics of gameplay to fight different enemies. And you, have, you do it on the fly, the game doesn't tell you how to do it. I'm sorry, and then just coming, like, just to uh, piggyback off that, when it comes to the enemies, is there a lot of diversity, or is it kind of fighting three archetypes, and you're just kind of changing it up a little bit, or did they throw a lot of different waves at you? Starts off, and you're fighting a lot of droggers, which are just, you know, mindless foot soldiers as you're going on at the beginning of the game. As it went on a little bit, there started to be heavier versions of them, there were ranged versions of them. Uh, they start introducing more different types of mythological creatures, uh, and those very, very much not just in the type of enemy they are, but in the way that you have to attack them and the way that they interact with you and particularly Atreus, your son, because some will target him specifically to try and attract your attention away from it. Then there are big enemies and big bosses. I don't want to give away who the big boss is in this game because that's one of the best boss fights, if not the best boss fight I've ever done. There is, in this three hours that I played, I would say 45 to an hour of it was one boss fight. Damn. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Is there like... A dodge mechanic, or is it just a block mechanic? There's a dodge mechanic, a block mechanic, and a parry mechanic. There's also your ranged attacks. And uh, what's really cool about the new weapon, because I love the Chains of Chaos, and they were, like, iconic for Kratos. They replaced it with the axe in this game, which you can throw. But what's awesome about it is that when you bring it back, it also hits things on its way back to you. 
So if you throw it strategically, you can make combos out of pulling your axe out of somebody and bringing it back. You can also bounce the axe off of people using different the different bumpers. So if you use R2, it throws the axe in a different way than if you use R, uh, the right bumper. Were there a lot of quick time events in it? Sorry, no. Colin. And that was what, so that was really surprising to me, is that there's almost no quick, quick time events. And the ones that they do have are when you stun an enemy. There's a stun bar on enemies that you fill up. So you kind of have to earn the quick time. And then when you do it, it's not like the old games were, where it'd be like, hit, you know, O and then X and then triangle to, like, perform this crazy move. You just hit it once, and it's sort of just your finishing attack. So it's, it's kind of more integrated into the gameplay. It's not like a stall. And when you're doing it, somebody can still attack you. No, I'm, I'm just picturing Kratos just throwing around that axe and uh, retrieving it like Thor style with Thor's hammer. That, that's awesome. I felt exactly I, 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 like I, Thor. That's really cool. He's like bald, bushy-bearded Thor. But the nipples, again, are spot on. So the, Let's just always bring it back to the nipples. If we wanted to compare nipples, his, he's definitely Thor Hulk level of nipple prettiness. Wow. I'm, I'm still, you know, it's got my pre-order just based on the nipple uh, rendering, so good. Nice sell there. Thank you. If we can talk about pre-orders, by the way, this game has already gone gold, so just in pre-orders. Which isn't super rare, but still, it shows that there is still an audience for Game of War after eight years that the franchise has been gone. Let me, but, like, it's gone to war, and there's been, like, no games out for the PlayStation Beast, Nino Kuni 2. So, the bros need a game, because they haven't had one in a while, so I'm not surprised. See, I think you it's think it's a bro game. So far. I think you think it's a bro game, and that you have to wear a polo shirt with your collar flipped up to enjoy this game. But I think you'd be surprised there's actually a nerd game underneath a shell of a bro game. This game is super nerdy, and it is much more nerdy than the past ones. I think it'll appeal to you, Eddie, maybe even more than it appeals to Colin, and I think it's funny that you're the one that's having trepidations about it, because this game is actually right up your alley. Trepidations about it is just God of War, which is so overdone. So I'm glad they t- they're taking it in new a new like direction and everything. But Kratos was just such a boring character to me. Like you, you seem like you're really gung ho about him and he's interesting to you. But he was just a one note dude for me. It was just like, oh, my family's dead. Oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm gonna kill you, Zeus. So I, I, I guess I'm excited to see where they're taking it in this new direction because he didn't have that motivation anymore. So he might actually be a fully-fledged character now. So we'll see. He's a much, much deeper character. In the first 30 seconds of this game, you'll see how much deeper of a character he is. Just from the load screen to the point that you pick up the game, which is maybe a minute and 25 seconds, they pack so much story in without just being like, I'm Kratos and this is what happened. This game is very subtle, and it takes its time in unveiling stuff. There's still I left with like 80 questions about what is going on in this game. Okay, and I, I get that. And I think my problem with God of War is that they made three of them. Mm-hmm. Or like, and I'm sorry, not three of them. Well, there's like six, yeah. Because they were all over PSP, and they're all over the place. And it was all the same thing. So I think if they would have just had like maybe two God of Wars, if this was the third one, and it was going in a completely different direction, I think I would be rather, I'd be more lukewarm. But that God of War 3 was just so overkill, man. It's like, really, this shit again? Again? It, there's, it's just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, what should make you feel a little bit better is is that Corey Barlog, the guy who's kind of responsible in a large way for what God of War is, and he went away halfway through the third one, so a lot of those PSP games and all like the, the myriad of God of War games that are outside of the main franchise, 
He's not involved in those. And they, Shannon Studstill, 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 uh, the head of uh, Santa Monica Studio, she said that she was tracking him down for a long time trying to get him back because it was so important for them to have the story be the big part of this game. And Corey Barlog is a guy who is not just some random video game director. You know, like this guy knows what he's doing and he knows story. And he came back because this was a passion project. And it shows in just a little bit of the game that they showed up. It's not just like a quick cash grab like older God of War games. This is like a full-on reimagining of everything in the series. They worked on this for five years. I mean, you could see it in these people's faces. We went out to dinner after the, um, uh, the demo. And they were all just celebrating the fact that, like, this is it. We finally did it. And, like, with, like, tears in their eyes talking about this game and how much it meant to them for such a long time to make something like this. So I think this is really a labor of love, and that's why it's so much different than the past ones, and why I think people are responding to it right from the get-go with, like, this is something, this is something different and a little bit more special than just, you know, the fourth God of War game. Yeah, it really seems like they started from scratch and really took things back. And they probably, you know, looked at the video game industry as a whole and were like, all right, this is the, the kind of the story we can take uh, Kratos and God of War 2. Looked at all the mechanics out there. And I mean, because I really wonder what would happen if they would have just been like, hey, here's our PS4 God of War and did, you know, this story. But in the old gameplay style, I'd be curious to see how the how gamers would respond to that. Yeah, the, move, the world's kind of moved on from that, so it was a smart to, you know, not just make a throwback, but to really, if you want to have a series continue, then you got to kind of react to the landscape of the way things are now, and, you know, the technology and what you're able to do, and try and push some boundaries, because, you know, the first game pushed some boundaries, uh, more so than I think it gets credit for, because there were so many imitators, but so this new one, they weren't just, like, making a new God of War game, they tried a whole bunch of new stuff that I hadn't seen before. And, like, for a series that already has existed for over a decade to do that is pretty exciting. Sort of like how I feel with Breath of the Wild when it came out. It could have just been a Zelda game and it would have still sold a billion copies. But they didn't do that because they cared, and so they made something completely different regardless of the fact that it was a Zelda game and it would have sold anyway. Yeah, you're right. And I think we should see, we're going to see more of that with these studios that I've had like, these games, past iterations, be revamped. So, mm -hmm. like, a, it'd be interesting to see, like, Crash Bandicoot re completely redo their type of game style or, like, Spyro or something like that. Well, but, let's say you're Microsoft right now and you've been getting your ass kicked for the last couple of years. And can now, we talk about that real quick? Well, okay, so, yes, please that. let's talk about that. And that's what's interesting to me because if you were the team at Microsoft, when you'd be like, oh, crap, like, maybe we should make a new Halo or one of our banner franchises and try to remake that for this new generation... Well, they made a new Halo, and it went skipper spot. Because they didn't then, try to do anything with it. It was just like, here's, here's Halo again, whatever. Give us money. Well, you know, they tried something new with CFDs, but even that's garbage pile of nonsense. So, oh, that was a good one. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Microsoft needs to look. But what Microsoft title, really think about it. What Microsoft title could they bring back and be like, oh, we redid it. And what, what would make people clamor? Halo, right? What else is there? Well, how do you redo Halo? It's a first-person shooter. I don't know, yeah. man. I don't. Does it have to be a first-person shooter? Why not change the game, dude? Well, they did it with Halo Wars. That was a relatively good idea, I think. And I, I liked Halo Wars. I think some people liked Halo Wars, but you can't really build a franchise off of that. I don't, I don't know what else you would do. What do you make of, like, a third-person Halo? Like, with a super story-driven third-person Halo revamped series that way? But would, would Halo fans like that? I'd play it. 
if it was well made. It doesn't even have to be that exact idea, just like something new with Halo. You have this IP, which is incredible, and so many like worlds to explore with it. Why not have fun with it and do something new? Well, and that's the thing. It's, I mean, it's it's really difficult for us to come up with something because it comes down to they have to innovate. It's not my job. I know, it's, hey, it's not my job. I just sit here and tell people whether I like it or not. But, um, yeah, no, it's like Zelda on paper. When I read that Breath of the Wild was going to an open-world game, I was skeptical. I was very skeptical. But you have to go out there and do something different, and they absolutely did. You know, they went with the their HUD, the map didn't have a bunch of sprinkle of logos everywhere like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry. They're like, you know what, let's make this about discovery. And easier said than done, but it's, you know, it's, if Microsoft, they absolutely do need to innovate if they want to keep up because they're, I mean, like you said, Eddie, I mean, Sea of Thieves, you're not really, uh, you're not that crazy about it, right? And you put a decent amount of time into it. I haven't put any time on it because there's nothing in it. And then I've just been listening to horror stories about it. But just to get back at what Xbox needs to do real quick, I think, and back to what titles they can renovate, like God of War is a title, like PlayStation has these titles, with, and even if I'm not a God of War fan, but they have interesting backstories where you could, or interesting characters where you could do something about that, right? You could have, you could have like a PlayStation All-Stars where you could bring these, all these characters together and have like a Super Smash Bros. type thing. You can't do that with Microsoft, you know what I mean? Because they don't have any big name titles or fascinating titles that get people excited and I don't I can't tell you anything that would make a Microsoft fan excited right now well because they haven't done anything to get us here's their most exciting game and their most innovative game of the last like what half decade at least was Cuphead like that's your big game was a platforming side scroller or like Sunset Overdrive I mean at least that game they did try something a little different didn't like it wasn't that like darling they were looking for but yeah, they, they don't really have any um, iconic characters outside of, uh, you know, outside of Master Chief and uh, Halo, but Halo, I mean, I'm, I know I'm not that super excited for a new Halo if it came out. Like, I haven't really been into Halo since Halo 3. And, and not even iconic, I, I may be misspoken, not even iconic characters. I mean, like, franchises that people are excited about. Like, it's Halo... Sunset Overdrive was fantastic, by the way, but they didn't do anything about it. You have Dead Rising, which you have, like, a small segment of people that get excited about. They tried to make that Rise game about the Roman Empire, which didn't go anywhere at all. So, I... And I'm trying to think back to the 360 days, and I can't think of any Xbox-exclusive titles for the 360. State of Decay. But still, that's a niche crowd. Yeah, very niche. I mean, do you, do you think Microsoft would be better off just investing into a bunch of new uh, first-party games? Or do you think they're better off going out and buying a couple studios that are popular, kind of similar to Cuphead, and then just make it exclusive to, to um, their console? I don't know. What do you think would be better? I don't think you even have to choose between those two. You just need to get exclusive titles if you're yeah. Xbox. Like, that's it. I don't care how you do it. Just make that happen. Did you just? I can't think of... Oh, Super Lucky Sale. Sorry. Super lucky sale. I think that that's been their 
go-to for this year. I think it dropped and no one talked about it. And the Forza series. I, I know a lot of people love the Forza series. And then the Crackdown 3. I don't know what happened to Crackdown 3. That kind of disappeared. I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm sorry. I just don't know anything to get excited for Microsoft. So I think you'd have to do something where you would invest a bunch of money in new IPs. But even that, every new IP that they invested in the last five years has, has even not taken off or it's died. Scalebound was something that they put a whole bunch of money in, but that went nowhere. And Scalebound was something that I was very excited to see. And that, if I think that if they would have put time and energy around it, that could have been a monster hunter for them. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like I feel for them because they've had a couple duds. And a great example right now, we already talked about, was Sea of Thieves because I played it at E3 last year and I liked it and I thought it was fun. And it's just a bummer to me that like a game I was looking out for is now just like eh, I don't care like about that sea, game at all. Sea of Thieves is something fascinating because the game is phenomenal, right? It feels good. It does something that games have never done before in the sense of exploration, in the sense of putting you in it, the teamwork that you have to do. Like, you have to set your sails. You have to work as a team to basically catch the wind in order to make your ship go faster. The treasure hunting element is very new to it. It doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't hold your hand. You have to basically read these maps on your own. So I, there's just not enough. It's just not enough. Right. There's three factions for you. And I, they're... They spent all this time talking about Sea of Thieves and saying it's going to be their next console seller. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to drive the masses to buy an Xbox One X. And there's, there's no – it's a no man's sky. There's nothing in it. Well, that's my problem and that's what they did. They made a really great demo because as a, as a demo, Sea of Thieves is amazing because you think like, oh my god, if this was what was in the demo, then like this game will oh. be incredible. But that's it. I – I, owning the game and me playing that demo last year at E3 are, sound like the exact same experience. If this was an early access game, I would be over. I would be so excited. If they had said, hey, this is our base game, we're going to continually add more to it over time, I would be way excited. If, but they've released this as, this is our final release, we'll add patches to it, whatever. And it just doesn't, it doesn't do enough for me. You're going you're gonna to charge me $60 for this? So, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, and I'm wondering, too, if... Because Microsoft, regardless of the missteps they're making, I mean, they pay people money to analyze and look at this data and think about, okay, what sets us up in a better spot releasing this now? And I'm not saying this is going to be the best business practice, but maybe they uh, decided, like, oh, maybe we have some uh, enough legs in this, we can make it run, and then we'll keep adding content, and we'll just keep getting up users. Now, they probably made a misstep in that, but... I kind of am curious, like, did they decide, hey, let's just release it, we can make some money up front and continually improve it, or if they would have been better off pushing it back six months, get a little bit more content, because I feel like this game may be really good in the next six months, because they're going to add content. They are getting too much negative publicity not to add to this game. But dude, how many times do I have to say this? Like, it's yep. so outrageous that I even have to say this. Like, if you are not ready to release your game, then don't release your freaking game. And don't charge people 60 bucks for it. Like, you adding on content in the future means nothing to me if I gave you $60. I paid you $60 for a full game. Give me a full game or get the F out. Unless you're going to do an early access nonsense. And a lot of games are going towards that trend. And, and as much as I agree with you, Pat, I feel like this early access trend is getting bigger. So release the game in early access and sell it to me for $30. Don't and sell me a full price game and act like it's a full game. 
I completely agree with you. And it makes me think that maybe they were trying to use this to sell their Xbox Game Pass because this I didn't pay the $60 for Sea of Thieves. I actually went and downloaded the Game Pass. And if anyone who doesn't know about the Game Pass, it's like a Netflix-style subscription service, which I'm actually excited to see if this thing kind of... So I know we bash Microsoft a lot, but this Game Pass, to me, is a really good idea because it's about $10 a month. You get access to all their exclusive titles. It's not like a... A uh, trial that you're downloading. It's not. You're actually downloading the full game. You're not streaming the game or anything like that. So all of that makes me really excited. But and it, it makes me think that maybe they would just try to not even rush. They try to s- sell you Sea of Thieves in order to s- subscribe to this Game Pass. So you keep this Game Pass for a series of months, pay the ten dollars, and then it milks you for money while it's releasing patches over a longer period of time, rather than releasing a full game. So, and well, that's, Game Pass? I, I have a question for you, Eddie, real quick, because uh, do you get... Do you have to pay... Can, can you pay for DLC in some of these games? Because I think absolutely, if you get the base game, but you still have to pay for DLC in some of these games on Game Pass, actually, I think that's exactly why they released Sea of Thieves at this date. Yeah, I think so, too, because I, I don't think you could download the DLC at all. I just really believe that they're trying to get me to forget about my two-week pass for the Xbox Game Pass, keep on coming back to Sea of Thieves, checking it over time for little updates. I really feel like we're going to get like the Division-type thing, where three years down the line, we're going to get a full-on full, full on ex- Sea of Thieves experience. And I really feel like games are going that, that route now. And if this is the way that Microsoft is planning to sell this game, that really, that really, really, really makes me sad. Not angry, sad for the state of games. You know what is the saddest part of the whole thing is that they missed the opportunity to call it Netsticks instead of Gamer Pass, and that's unacceptable. I don't like yeah. Netsticks. Netsticks, like the sticks, like the control sticks. You, you don't understand. Oh, well, you're old. You're old. No, I no, I'd spell it with an X though. Instead of net sticks, it'd be net sticks. Brought to you by Monster Energy Drink. Do the do. There's a there's a reason that so many new uh, new upcoming businesses are working on a subscription model because it's much more profitable. So yes, actually, Sea of Thieves is a giant push to get Microsoft more Game Pass subscriptions. I we have we have figured this out. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> we see we see through you, Microsoft. Nice try. <laughs> not on our watch. Past us. It, it not only is Sea of Thieves empty, but it also has a problem with Microsoft's that like toxic. I, and I people are like, oh, oh, SJW, but they have an issue with their players, man. Where I've heard, I've read many stories where people have just run out of things to do. So they're just sitting around and they're just griefing newcomer players and players that are playing by themselves to the point where they can't enjoy the game. And I understand that you can make this game whatever you want to make it, but if you're the type of person that wants to ruin an experience for someone else, I just... And I feel like this is a Microsoft problem. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's PlayStation's games that... I sound like such a Sony stand today. But maybe there's PlayStation games that have these type of kit players that are toxic like this, but... I don't see it in any PlayStation games. Oh, maybe it's because I only have three games to play on my Xbox, so I'm like, well, I might as well go online and yell about uh, minorities. <laughs> That's true. Hey, you know, I can actually chime in on this with, uh, I've 
played a lot of Call of Duty on both PlayStation and Xbox, and they're 100% the Xbox community is more yelling racist things, yelling homophobic things, yelling, like, non-stop your mom jokes. And PlayStation, you still get some of that in Call of Duty, but I can actually sit back and enjoy a game and not have to, like, mute half my team, if not my whole team, for saying awful things. So, I don't know. That's my personal experience is I prefer <clears throat> multiplayer on PlayStation because of that. You know, I played Destiny 2 for, like, a while. I sunk a lot of time into that game. And I always wanted to talk to people, and I never heard a single other person speak to the point that I thought my microphone was broken. Am I? Was my microphone broken, or did people just not speak playing certain games? Destiny is more of a group uh, multiplayer game. I, I put a lot of time in Destiny and Call of Duty. I would say Call of Duty, you get more a little bit of this solo hammer throwing a headset. Mm. But um, also, I think... It depends. Destiny, like, if you're putting a lot of time into that, I tend to think it's a little bit more of an older audience doing it. It, it seems the high school range that plays Call of Duty on Xbox is super toxic, but it's it's not a ton of just solo people looking to uh, chat. Nobody likes me, Colin. In my yeah. experience, I don't know, because my experience, it, I think it depends on the game. I think you're right, Colin. Destiny had an older audience, because I was playing Deep Rock Galactic for a couple weeks, um, got really into that game. And when I was ever trying to solo it with, a, like, groups of three other randos, there was always, like, multiple people that were trying to talk. So I just think it depends on what type of game you're playing. Destiny is one of those games where you don't really need to talk to anyone. You just run and shoot. There's not a lot of team coordination unless you're doing a raid. Um, whereas there's a lot of these other games where it takes more team coordinated. It does require... And while playing Sea of Thieves, there are a lot of people with microphones playing that game because it does require a lot of communication. So I just think about... I just think it's the game that you play. Yeah, when, and that goes for, like, Overwatch. I used to get yelled at when I would play it on PlayStation because I didn't have a headset. And they would be like, come on, like, we have to, like, work together. And I would just be like, a lot of times when I play multiplayer, I'm like, I don't want to talk to strangers. I just want to put on a podcast and play. And, uh, yeah, I used to get grief from people for not uh, not communicating. Be a team player, bro. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's the game and that's the system. But what? I don't know. I just... I get a lot more bullshit when I'm on Xbox than I am on PlayStation. Oh no, it's it's definite. Like there, there is. It's it's not about like the level of participation. I'm really commenting on. It's more of the actual content of what is said. Like yeah. the, the amount of just toxic stuff seems to me be a lot higher on the Microsoft platform. Interesting. Anyone else played Sea of Thieves? Am I the only one that put? And I've only put like I played a lot of the beta. But if you played a lot of the beta, you played a lot of this game. I only so, played the demo at E3, and I was excited about it, and then I forgot about it because my life continued to move on. Uh, and then it came back up when it came out, and it was such a bad reaction that I was like, I don't want to get that. And, and, you know, our staff writer, Craig, wonderful Craig, has hey. put in a lot of time with this game, and he doesn't have anything positive to say about it either. So, And he said the same things that I've said. It's beautiful. It's Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Some of the most beautiful water I've ever seen in a video game. And the art style is amazing, and the gameplay feel the game feels good. It's and it's fun to play when it's fun to play, but it's just shallow. <laughs> shallow. Uh, uh, water joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see myself as playing the game in the next year. I don't. I couldn't tell you when, but hopefully, I hope they can add some content and turn it around. And when they do, if it's on sale, I mean, I would love to pick this up or do a two week trial of Game Pass and try it out that way. But. There's too many games out right now for me to focus on such an empty game when, yeah, there's just a lot out there right now. Right, there's yeah, isn't that the game. issue? It's like the world keeps going whether this game was ready for it or not. So I can play 80 other games and then completely forget that this game ever existed by the time it becomes a full game. 
Yeah, give, give me a reason to come back and actually want to play. So hopefully Rare, uh, can, you know, they can figure it out and add some content. And until they do, I'm going to ignore it. Yeah, yeah. unless Rare sends me a living octopus in the mail, then I will not play this game. Yeah, you heard it here first. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this because I love Rare. I love, love, love Rare with all my heart. They made and Donkey Kong. They made Donkey Kong. They made GoldenEye. They made Perfect I mean, Dark. Yeah, they made all of the games that we've grown up loving. And if see if these doesn't do well, we might see the end of Rare. So this game is heartbreaking on so many levels for me. I hope it does well for the dummies out there. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully they they turn it around and they can convince a lot of people to go buy the full version. But or hopefully Xbox is back to to support. For it to be able to be supported by all these Game Pass subscribers, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm I'm just nervous, guys. I'm nervous. I'm sorry. I hate when my favorite game studios go under. It's like the saddest thing ever. It's like seeing your favorite film studios go under. You don't see it a lot, but it's just a sad thing. Such is life. It is fleeting. Got dark really fast. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I've used that a couple times in the podcast. <laughs> I think I still have a download of it. seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound. All right, now that we got Pat out the picture, we can really have a real gamer talk in this new segment called Eddie and Colin Talks Games Without Pat. Without Pat, and it's our game corner of games without Pat, because Pat's not here. Yeah. That's the title. And we really can use this time not to talk about Final Fantasy or God of War, because those are the only games that Pat plays. So this week, Colin and I had the very luxury of playing A Way Out which is a co-op game that very much surprised us, I think. Yeah, no, I, I thought, one, the $30 price point, I think, is fantastic. It's it's definitely an easier price point to jump into a game not knowing a lot about it. The best part, though, is, um, you know, actually, I didn't purchase it, which is great. I get to play this game and never purchase it. I don't get trophies, which kind of bums me out, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was lucky enough where Eddie just decided, like, hey, I got this free trial, I can throw it your way, and we're both playing for 30 bucks. Yeah, and I kind of like that strategy that they did, and I think, so I'm a co-op game, huge fan. I like playing games with, like, one to two people. I don't like playing the whole four, because it's hard to organize the four. If I can play a game with two people, I would like to do it, and they've done it in a way that really I've really liked. I got to buy it, I got to share the trial with Colin, he, he got to download the whole game, it's not like he's... Um, streaming it or anything like that and it for the f- most part it's been basically seamless we've had a good time with it um i don't have a lot of complaints about it it just seems like it's corny i guess you can you can definitely tell the creator of the game and I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank for right now it's uh oh gosh I'm, I'm drawing a blank it's all over the game i swear in the beginning of the game they say it like six or seven times in the credits but he is, um, you can tell he's not from America just for the fact. And I know um, Edmund's helping me out with a quick search just so we can give credit to... Um, Hazelite Studios, Joseph Ferris. Joseph Ferris, there we go. And, and, F the Oscars. And you can, yeah, yeah, it's F the Oscars guy from the Game Awards. So you probably know him from that. But he, you can tell he grew up 
watching 70s jail and true crime and detective stories because it is corny. It is very stereotypical. Um, it's not very surprising in any uh, any slight way at all. You can kind of see where the story is going to go. But with that said, it is a really immersive game. And it, it is, it's a cool experience when it's we're on separate TVs and we see the game on split screen. So I can see what Edmund's playing and you can see what I'm playing. And it kind of puts a little more pressure in the co-op situation because if you're not pulling your weight, the other one's going to know it. But it's really nice perspective where I can see what Edmund's experience, but the dialogue is going to be strictly my screen. I can kind of hear the, hear his dialogue of uh, random NPCs in the background, but it's a really cool way to set up the co-op experience. Yeah, and the way they did it online is something that I think a lot of games should copy if they're going to if co-op games become a way of the future. I don't know if A Way Out is going to sell a lot. It seems like it's a very niche-type game because it is... I don't know a lot of people that just can play with two people. A lot of the standard sizes are three to four nowadays with your Destinies and your squads with four with Call of Duties and Divisions and other games like that. But I applaud Hazelight Studios for this effort. I applaud them for this game. This game is something like I've never played before. I think it's very unique. I like the split screen with the online status. I think that's really cool where I can see what Colin's doing. The characters are your cliche 70s characters like Colin said, but they're still, you know, it's interesting. We've gotten through the first three hours. We're probably going to play the next three hours, so we'll have full-on impressions probably coming next week, especially if this recording goes well without Pat. We might be doing this a little bit more. Yeah, um, and I mean, and it's a six to eight hour experience, which I think is exactly what you need when it comes to these co-op games. So I'm, I'm really glad it's that length. If anything, I mean, it has dragged on a little bit in places where after that three hour session, like we were cracking up, having a great time. We took a break and then I thought about it. I was like, mm, do I really want to jump back in it? Because it is like watching a slightly corny movie where I think it's a little bit much to take in one sitting. And it almost like there's, there's some eye roll mo mo moments, but when you're playing with a friend, I think it can be really fun because you can laugh at it together when it kind of messes up or it's a little buggy. I don't know how much I would enjoy just picking up this game and buying the full version and playing with a random person because that's the thing. You can't play with an NPC playing the other character. You have to play with someone else. And it's a really good experience if you're playing with a friend because Colin and I were making jokes throughout the entire movie or a game. It feels like a movie. Where every time there was a dead space, you'd be like, F the Oscars. Or we would say, say F, the, F the Oscars or any time we found a way out of a situation, one of us would say, oh, look, a way out. Yeah. So, so we, we, we were cracking up. It was a good, it was a fun time. It was uh, definitely, I haven't had a co-op experience like that, well, one ever, or I haven't had a co-op experience that I was having such a fun time during. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been. And I probably since the Nintendo 64 days. I don't think I've ever had a two-player co-op experience like this, so... Again, I, I applaud the Hazelite Studios. We'll see where it goes. Right now, we're in a dead space right now. We just finished, like, what, our fourth probably big um, cutscene. So, there's... It's set up like a movie, so just be prepared for that. You have your big action set points, and then you have your dead time, and then you have your action set point. We just hit a really boring dead time for me. Yeah. Um... But like just to just to kind of throw a situation out really early in the game, it's really cool because we'll be in different perspectives of a prison yard, and Eddie was down there playing his character, doing something, talking to people. I was up above because I'd been in the jail a little bit longer, and I could go to vantage points and watch and see Edmund's character go through different situations throughout the jail um, setting, and it was really cool where yeah. I could walk around and follow him. 
but um, and then I could look at his screen at the same time and see the same vantage, see it from a different vantage point. So you're able to see what each other's doing throughout that, but you're at different areas in this larger map. So it's really cool. It was, and that was a really good moment for me. And I, there's there's a lot of great moments in this game, um, and I. I I'm not knocking it at any point because it's, it's seriously like a 7 out of 10 for me right now. Yeah. We'll see where the story goes, but it's been enjoyable, but just it's it's corny. It's so. corny, you know, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I feel like this is the type of game, and we'll, we'll give our full impressions next week, but I feel like this is the type of game where five, six years from now, there'll be so many other games that have made this better where it's going to actually not hold up as well, but I'm really applauded for what they're doing, and I think they can um, really kickstart a different um, sort of co-op game that other studios are definitely going to try to emulate. I would definitely like to see like Tell Telltale do something with a co-op style, because I, I was playing this game, I was totally seeing, like, oh, Tales of the Borderlands would be so perfect if I could control one character and like I had a friend yep. who could control the other character. We can make our own decisions, and the story kind of morphed that way. But that's all, that's very complex. So we'll it was a lot of quick time events. It was very yeah. telltale. It was very um, heavy rain esque. So definitely has. I could see like I, I wish Telltale. I know they're going through a lot of troubles right now, but I wish they would pump a little bit more money in that engine so they can make a pretty game like this yeah. and have that sort of co op experience added in. Or we could create our own indie studio and do it ourselves. Um, so so if you are listening and you have a bunch of money, send it to us. We'll make good use of that money. Yep. But yes, A Way Out, Hazelight Studios, I think it's out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Microsoft Windows. P yeah. It's a decent game. Go pick it out. Uh, but make sure you take it, you enjoy it with a friend. But the great thing is you get a code. So if you have someone yeah. that has the same platform as you, just have them download the demo. And it's smart marketing, in my opinion, too, is every time I load it up, it gives me a thing like, hey, buy the full game. And like, you know, so it's, I think it's very smart. I have the full game downloaded here. So if this game is something I wanted to replay, who knows? Maybe I'll click that buy button and why, why not try something like this? So hats off. I don't know if this was a one to $60 game if one of us would have purchased and two if it didn't come with that code. I don't know how much likely Eddie would have bought it because I probably wouldn't have bought no, it. No, I probably wouldn't have bought it if they didn't have yep. the code because you have to convince someone to play this with you. And the reason why I don't like Sea of Thieves is because I can't find anyone to play it with me. This week, I had Colin join the dark side. As anyone knows who listens to the podcast, I am the JRPG fan of the group. I like the anime-style games. Not all anime-style games, but there are a select few that I like, including Persona, Ninu Kuni, which came out this week. I played the first one. I absolutely adore the first one. If you haven't played the first Ninu Kuni, just know that it is a game where you play a young man who gets transported into a magical war world, sorry, um, where you have to save it from Shadar, a dark evil genius. Um, I won't give too many spoilers because I think anyone who plays games should play this game, especially if you like JRPGs. It's something unlike I've ever played before. Turn-based, menu style, Pokemon, very influenced. I know we, I complain about a lot of people complain, comparing games to Pokemon, but this game was very much like Pokemon where you had to go out, capture different familiars, organize them to fight against you. So, Nino Kuni 2 was announced about a couple years ago, and they announced that they were getting away from the familiars, and I was one of the people that was very upset about it. Nino, Ku Nino Kuni 2 came out, and I have to admit, I am absolutely amazed. Colin, as your first JRPG, really, right? I think I, I've played some Fire Emblems. Okay. I, I've, I've dabbled into Final Fantasy, not a ton, but yeah, this is... 
definitely a different game. I think what drew me in was the art style. It's the way I would describe it. It's very cell shaded like Breath of the Wild, but also a lot more complex, uh, high resolution graphics included. Yeah. This definitely seems like a game that takes advantage of the next generation um, PlayStation 4 uh, technology. So it was the art style that got me in, but on top of that, it's actually the, um, the gameplay is just super fluid. It's super fun and I think that my biggest takeaway from it is I love that I found a game. One, it's insanely fun. It's super lighthearted and fun but to follow, but at the same time, it's very positive, and it's very not complex in the story where it's just good versus evil. There's not a lot of gray area, and I really enjoy that, though, because I feel like, like we are talking about God of War being so heavy, and it's nice to have a game that's just very upbeat, and I feel good when I play it. I step away. I feel good. I don't feel like I'm just like, you know, murdering people left and right. It's a very positive and uplifting game, and I like that. You're essentially playing a Saturday morning cartoon. The game's rated teen, but it's a very, very... I mean, it's a fairy tale world. It's very cartoony. There's no blood. There's no gore. The main character is a child. I think he's probably, like, 12 or 13 years old. He's, like, a very adorable little kid. I absolutely adore the characters in this game. Similar to that of the first game, they had a very good three casts of characters. Uh, level 5, the developers behind this game, Studio Ghibli, they have done a great job. I'm 10 hours in. I love the world so far. You're establishing your own kingdom. There is a coup. I'm giving away spoilers, so if you, you want to go into this game extremely not knowing anything, probably turn away now. But there's a coup. You've been ousted from your kingdom. You start to develop a new kingdom. I'm to the point where I'm starting to learn about the new kingdom scattered around the world. And it's just, it's charming, it is fun, it is beautiful, it is one of the games of 2018 that makes me excited about this year. I'm just, I'm loving every minute that I've had. I was complaining about the development changes, but I, I have nothing to complain about now. Yeah, and if you would have told me uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, if I would have enjoyed this game, I would have laughed. But I, I watched you play the original Nino Cooney, and I remember um, when we were in college just walking by, I'm like, you know, this looks really fun. I thought it was like, yeah, Pokemon ripoff. But I was like, you know what, I like the art style, but I was like, you know, this game doesn't speak to me, because back then specifically I was Madden... MLB The Show, You're and bro. Call of Duty. Your job. Playing bro games. Super job. And I've been dabbling a little bit more into the... Uh, I feel like the Switch has really opened up my eyes because it's it's getting me more of that Japanese influence in games. And, yeah, I'm loving this game. I'm still really early on. Of course, it's a JRPG, so I'm sure the <laughs> tutorial's like 80 hours long, and yeah. then I'll hit the real game. But yeah. uh, I'm pretty early in, but I'm, I'm loving it. They're stacking new um, game. Uh, they're stacking new game uh, tactics, uh, actual things you can do, new equipment. It's all very gradual, but it's in a fun way where I don't feel like I'm sitting here like, all right, like when am I gonna get something cool? Like everything I get, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like yeah. if if the combat was where I'm at right now, I would love it. But I already know there's so much stuff I don't even know about in this game, and I'm really looking forward to uh, discovering it all. Would this open you up to playing similar style games to this? Are you more open? Because I've always been like. Japanese heavy. I love the Western titles, but the Japanese, if it's a good Japanese, popular Japanese title, I'm probably going to like it. Would this open you up to playing like a Yakuza in the future? Or, yeah, or... I, I absolutely want to play Yakuza. Yeah, I think there's, there's JRPG elements in games that I used to not be attracted to that I am. And so I am looking forward to uh, Yakuza 6. 
it all depends on though what other games are out at the time and what other games I'm playing. I will give more attention in. I will actually purchase JRPGs, but it has to be really good. It has to be something that calls to me, and I have to like kind of the way it looks. And also, what else am I playing? I think it says a lot to Nino Kuni too that I got it because there's MLB The Show that's out. Uh, I still love Monster Hunter. I haven't picked it up lately. And then Far Cry comes out here. It's probably by the time this post, Far Cry's out. Yeah, probably. There's a lot going on, but I think that says a lot to this game and how much I really like it because actually when we're done with this... Um, I definitely have that itch where I'm like, oh, I want to play some Nino Kuni. Yeah, we were talking about playing Way Out after this, but I'm like probably gonna get back into Nino Kuni. So, yeah. and hats off to Level Five by taking these direction that they took, or by completely revamping the first game. There's nothing similar about the first game and the second game besides the art style. The combat's different. The mission style is different. Their side missions are really kind of fetchy. I get it. There are a lot of fetch quests to build up your kingdom, and it takes like eight hours to get to the kingdom building part. So if you're not in, like if you don't like the JRPGs, you're not used to them. Just know that it takes a lot of time before you can get to the nitty gritty of this game. But once you get to it, it's very, very rewarding. So I'm going to continue to play it. Continue to check back in weekly on our podcast to see what we have to say about it because we'll probably be updating you. But I, I love it. I love it. If you want to try something new, definitely go pick it up. It is a PlayStation 4 exclu- exclusive, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Sony knocking it out of the park. Microsoft, you need to step up. Microsoft, get, get your stuff together. So I believe that is it from us, from the Donkey Kong artist this week. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, please subscribe to us on Twitter. Or what is it? Follow us on Twitter. Don't subscribe to us yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on there, Donkey Kong Artist. Come to our website, DonkeyKongArtist.com. We have a little staff behind us. We don't get paid to do this. That's just like writing out of the bottom of our hearts. So thank you to everyone who continues to listen. And yeah, and send send us your questions if you have them. Send us over to on Gmail. It's what uh, Donkey Kong Artists at Gmail dot com. Donkey Kong Artist at Gmail dot com, I believe. I believe we own both. I don't know. Yeah, go to our website. Leave a comment go, on our go website. To our, go to our website. Go to our Twitter. Go email to us if you can. Go to everything Donkey Kong Artist because we own that. Send me cookies in the mail too. Exactly. And, money. and money. Bags of money. And Bags of money and cookies. And watch us play Fortnite on stream. Yeah, that's, that's definitely yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, that always yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah that so happens all the time. I hear if you just play Fortnite, sometimes Drake just pops in. Drake and like Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the all the big time celebrities oh. that aren't getting.